We're going to go ahead and jump in the Word. We're in week two of our greater series. Um, and uh, this little series will kind of be take us over the, 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 the rest of the month of January if everything goes as planned. But, but I'm, I'm excited about it because I believe that God does desire to do greater things in us and through us than we could ever imagine or ever dream. Our, our main verse that we're going to be looking at through our series is John 14, 12 through 14. And this is what it says. It's Jesus is speaking here. He says, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. You see, Jesus doesn't just tell us that we're going to. He then explains why we're going to or how that we're able to do these things. I like that about Jesus because a lot of times people will say, hey, this is going to happen or this is going to take place. And then we're kind of left with wanting a little bit more and, and wanting to understand a little bit deeper. And Jesus says, listen, you're going to do these greater things because I'm going to the Father. And then he continues in verse 13. And, and, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you that, that we can come to you right now. We can bring these desires and these, our hearts cry to you, and God, that, that you just want to take those things, and you don't even want to, you want to do even greater things than we could even dream. You want to do greater things in us and through us than we could ever imagine. Because, God, you desire to do that. You've promised us that as we move and do things in your name, as the things we ask for in your name, that you will do them and that you're going to do greater things through us than, than, even, than even your son did. And that's because Jesus is there right now with you making intercession for us. So, Jesus, we thank you. We ask that you would just speak to us as we look at these things over the next several minutes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so here's the thing. I, I, I look at this verse. I look at what Jesus is communicating to you and to me. And kind of what I'm seeing is this. I see Jesus saying, listen, you're going to do greater things. And Jesus is doing his part. Jesus at this point and at this time is at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for every single one of us, for you and for me. He's, he's praying and he's saying, God, will you, will you do that great thing? God, will you manifest your spirit in that individual? God, will you do a things that they never dreamed of? Will you bring blessings and healings and helps and all of these things? God, will you do that for, for your kids? And so Jesus is doing his part. And so I always kind of look at it and go, okay, well, what's my part? What do, what do I need to be doing? Because well, I, I believe that God can, can do great things in us and through us, but I think the greatest things, the greater things that God wants to do are us partnering with God to do those things. And so as we kind of look at these things this morning, we're going to be looking at kind of two different ideas that really kind of go together. We're going to look at keys and we're going to look at doors. We're going to look at keys and we're going to look at doors because typically keys and doors typically go together. Now, of course, you can have doors that don't have locks on them, but most of us still carry keys around. Most of us, if we went through and looked in your pockets or looked in your purse, we would basically find several things. We'd find some type of a car key. Now, that car key may look a little bit different than they used to be. I know that for some people, you know, it's just a little, you know, kind of a th thob or something like that they carry in their pocket. But most of us still have house keys. Or we have different types of keys. And we carry these around to access different types of doors that we go around and experience through most of our lives. And, and here's the thing. I bet you you'd be surprised with how many doors you actually walk through in a day. You ever think about that? 
Like you, you think about this morning, okay? You got up. Most of you probably were in a room of some type, and maybe you got up from your room, and maybe you went into the bathroom. So you went through the bathroom door, or you went through the door leaving your bedroom into the kitchen. And even though technically a lot of times kitchens don't necessarily always have doors, you went through a doorway to get in the kitchen. When you maybe left, you left your house, you went through that door, went through your garage door, you know, in your car, and then you came in here, and you went through the front door, and then you went to the doors to the sanctuary. Maybe you, before you came in, you, you took, you know, you went to the restroom, you went through the bathroom door. We go through doors all the time. And I think that's important that we understand that. But more than that, we need to understand that we also have keys that get us into certain types of doors. Here's the thing. If, if, if you had come here this morning and John or myself hadn't come before you and opened the doors, you wouldn't have been in here. Now, some of you may have keys, but a lot of you would be locked out. And so I believe that God not only has doors for us to go through, but he also has keys for us to use to get through certain types of doors. And to start off, before we really get into some doors, I want to talk about some of the keys to greater things. The keys to greater things. Because I believe, here's the thing, you may not know this. As a believer, I believe you have a keychain attached somewhere in your spirit. And some of you need to start using your keys a little bit more. Some of you may not realize you even have them on there, but you have them. I remember in high school, we had a, a high school janitor who was, he was a great guy. We used to love him. And, and I remember he had like 458 keys on his key ring. You know what I mean? He was that type of guy. And it was like he had to put it on his belt buckle because it could not physically fit in his pocket, you know? And he was great as he knew what every key was to. And so you say, hey, Vern, what's that key to? Oh, well, that key's there. Well, what's that key to? That was, the... and he knew exactly what keys they were. Why did he know what keys were on 458 keys? Why did he know which keys went where? It's because he used them. He used his keys often to open doors in the school where he was. And I believe that God has given us some keys to some greater things. And so first we're going to look at some of those keys. And then we're going to look at some keys that I believe are going to open some important doors in our lives in this year. So first, let's look at Matthew 16. In Matthew 16, Jesus is having some interesting discussion with his disciples. And so let's kind of pick up the story in verse number 13. This is what he says. He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, so he's asking his disciples, he has a question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? So who, who do people say that I am is basically what he's asking. And they said, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, the others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. In verse number 15, he kind of switches the question a little bit. And he says, yeah, okay, he says, but who do you say I am? Jesus makes it personal in this moment. Who do you say I am? Yeah, maybe that's what other people say, but what do you say? And this is what Simon Peter answers. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Verse number 17. When Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now let's look at verse 19, and this is important. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, let's talk about this a little bit because we need to dive in here a little bit deeper to really understand this. A lot of times when you see medieval art or things like that, Peter is actually portrayed or shown with a set of keys. Okay, you've heard this concept and some of you maybe even heard jokes before about Simon Peter being at the gates of heaven and he let you in. You know, I I always remember hearing jokes about that when I was a kid that, you know, somebody died and they went to heaven and guess who's there at the pearly gates? It's Peter and Peter's there letting people in. A lot of those beliefs that we have or people have maybe are come from this scripture. Now, here's what's interesting about that. As we see that verse, as we understand it, we're not seeing it simply as Jesus going to Peter and proclaiming, you will have these keys and no one else will. We see it in a greater sense that Jesus here is speaking directly to the church. He's speaking to his believers. He's speaking to his entire disciples. Even though he is in this moment kind of directing things towards Peter, this is a broader understanding. This is a deeper understanding of communicating for Jesus to his disciples that, listen, there are some keys that I want to give you that are going to unlock some doors that you need to have. And without these keys, those doors are going to remain locked in your life and in the life of your community, in the life of your church, in the life of your family. And I believe that Jesus is saying to us, listen, there are some keys that God wants us to use every single day. And if we don't use these keys, then we're not going to be able to move on to point number two. Does that make sense? But Jesus is communicating this to all believers, not just to Peter. He's speaking to you and to me. And so I think there are three keys that God wants us to use every day that we can see in these verses. The first key is the key of faith. The key of faith. Remember as we look at this little story uh, in in Matthew 16, what what does Peter really say that even gets them to this place? He proclaims that Jesus is more than just a prophet, more than just a, a smart person, more than just somebody that maybe even people respected. Peter speaks something greater in faith that he is the son of God who will come to take away the sins of the world. You see, a lot of people look at Jesus and they think the key is just to say, well, you know, he was a good moral teacher or he was a good person or I like some of the things he shared. Peter takes it one step further and says, yeah, you're a great moral teacher. Yeah, but you are the Messiah. You are God's son. A lot of people think that they can unlock the doors in their life with something less than a full understanding and desire and realization that Jesus is God's son, that he came to die for you and for me. We need to have that understanding and that faith every day. Every day, even when it's hard, even when there's moments of difficulty, we need to have that type of faith. The second is the key of relationship. The key of relationship. Look what Jesus said. He doesn't say, well, good job, Peter. You figured it out on your own. He doesn't say, way to go, Peter. You listen to the pastor or you listen to your, your, your mother or father or whoever. And guess what? You figured it out. Good job. He says, oh, he said, God revealed this to you. You realize that God desires he wants to reveal things to you and to me but you know where that happens best in relationship it happens best in a close intimate relationship why are we spending three weeks praying and fasting it's because it helps build up our relationship with jesus 
It helps us find time to focus in on that relationship with him. And I love that Jesus said, listen, this was revealed to you. I believe very strongly that God desires to reveal things to you and to me. And he reveals those things in relationship. The last thing is the key of power and authority. Now you go, Aaron, where in the world are you getting this? Where are you getting power and authority? It's interesting because I'll tell you in just a second, but here's the thing you need to understand about the ancient world. Keys were not something that everybody had. Okay? Now I know we talked about this earlier. If we went through your purse or your pockets, I bet you probably all of you would probably have at least one type of key. Most of you have a key that you don't even think about. You don't even think about when you use it. It's on your phone. It's a pass key or a password. It may even be your face. But you have some things locked in your life that you have ways to unlock them. But back then, keys were rare. Keys symbolized something greater. It symbolized power and authority. Here's the thing, and this is in your notes. The word key in the Greek, when you look and you see that key word, it's the word kilis. Kilis denotes power and authority. It's literally what the word means. So when Jesus is saying keys of the kingdom, he's literally saying the power and authority represented in the kingdom. Do you realize what that means? Because a lot of us walk around and we don't live in the power and authority that we have as a child of God. We walk around timid. We walk around afraid. We walk around in a way that says, oh, you know, I, I, I really shouldn't go there. I, I shouldn't be there. I shouldn't do that. When God says to you and to me, listen, I'm going to give you this key. It's the ability for us to walk with boldness, to walk with a, a sense of power and authority, not based on us or what we have done, but because of the power and authority that Jesus has gotten, and then he has transferred that also to you and to me. So when Jesus looks at you and says, listen, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. He's saying, I want to give you the power and authority to do the things in the kingdom that I've called you to do. A lot of times we live a life that says, I can't, I can't, I won't, or, or I'll fail, or I won't be successful, or whatever it might be. I know I deal with that too. But we have to remember, we have that key. If you're a believer, you have that key on your key ring. And it might be wise at times, not in, in a way of, of, of pride or I'm better than everybody else, but in a way where we understand where that power and authority comes from, but to grab that key and put it in the lock and begin to start opening some doors. Because here's the deal. God has a door for everyone to walk through. And he has given us the keys to open those doors. You have the keys that you need to open the doors to some of the greater things that God wants to do in you and through you. The question becomes twofold. One, will you use your key? And two, will you walk through the door that you've opened? We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But I know that when I share things like this, I know sometimes I get these looks from you that kind of get these kind of deer in the headlights look. You're like, well, man, what does this mean? What does this look like? How do, I, how do I do this on a daily basis? I mean, I know I need to live in faith and relationship and, and in the power and authority that God has granted us. I, I get that, but, but, but what does that look like on a day-to-day -day thing? Listen, here's the thing. 
I'm going to give you in just a moment some, uh, some things that I think are small things that can make a big impact. Here's the thing I've learned about doors, okay? Now, I'm sure this isn't for every single door, but I have kind of realized this is, happens for the majority of doors, okay? The door is smaller, typically, than the room it opens up into, okay? Like, if you look back, there's, there's, a, there's two doors here, there's a door here, there's a door there, there's, a, there's lots of doors in this, this area, there's a door up there. But here's the thing, all of it, even the double doors, are much smaller than the actual room that you and I are in right now, okay? The door doesn't have to be big to indicate what's behind the door. And what I think we can understand is sometimes some... And then, and then I'm going to take it one step further, okay? One step further. I've never seen a key, and maybe they're out there, I've never seen a key that is bigger than a door, okay? The keys are smaller than the door. Why? Because there's a lock on the door and things like that. You know, all this is, makes probably perfect sense. I understand that. But here's the thing, and this is in your notes. Small keys can open really big doors. And I'll take that one step further. And behind the door, God has some really great things for you and for me. But it starts sometimes with using the small keys. I take my keys out every Sunday because it bothers me to have them in my pocket. But I put them right here. I know I probably went off the screen. I'm here. I'm back. Okay. Here's my key. This, this is my house key. This is smaller than my door. But this key, if I use it correctly, can open up my home to myself, to my family, to my friends, to everybody. But here's the thing. We tend to get so focused on the door or what's behind the door we tend to forget sometimes how small the keys are in our lives that we have to use and turn to go into those greater things that God has for us. And so typically what we do, unfortunately, at least I do at times, is we'll sit there and we'll pound on the door. We'll say, ah, let me in, I can't get in. And God's sitting there going, listen, Aaron, Aaron, I'll use myself because I'm sometimes I do this all the time. Aaron, use your key. Use your key. I've given you the key. And here's what we learn. I believe that we're going to look at four small keys that can open really big doors. Four small keys that can open really big doors in our lives. Number one, first one, first small key. And I put these together. I put these together. But God's word and prayer are small keys that open big doors. Small keys that open big doors. Look at Psalms 119, 105. Listen to what it says. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word is those things. God's word is that light that shows us where to go. Listen, if it's dark in your world, if it's dark in your life, you need to go to God's word so you have a guide to illuminate the way you're supposed to go. Unfortunately, so many of us forget that and we, we're wandering around in the dark not knowing the direction when God says, listen, listen, I will guide you. I will direct you. It is in my word. Go to my word and allow that to be a light that illuminates your path which way you should go which way you shouldn't go let's look at 2 Timothy 3 16 and 17 it says all scripture 
is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Listen to me and hear me right now. What is true is found in God's word. It is not found in your emotions or your feelings. It is found in God's word. That is what teaches us what is true. And listen, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, God has given us something in his word to help us not only understand what is true, but what is false. You realize that both are important? You realize that one without the other really affects the effectiveness of the other? So not only do we know what is true by God's word, we know what's false by God's word. And then because of that, it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do, uh, what, uh, teaches us to do what is right. And because of that, we have verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What does that mean in context of what we're sharing this morning? What helps you to open your door and go through it is God's word. God's word helps us to know what doors to go through and what doors not to go through. It helps us and equips us and prepares us to do the greater things that God has helped us to, or called us to do. Let's look at Matthew 7, 7. Matthew 7, 7, it says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Matthew 7, this context of this scripture, you know what it is? Its context is prayer. That idea of knocking, seeking, going after God, and the promise of having this situation that the door will be open for you. Look at Colossians 4. Colossians 4, 2 through 3. It says this, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God, again, look, here it is, may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Prayer, God's word, are small keys that open huge doors. Huge doors. Let's use those keys and let's open those doors. But listen, that comes by spending time in prayer and in God's word. It's so important. Uh, listen, I, I, I know at times I can seem like I harp on these things. I know it and I try not to. I try to kind of bring at least new ideas and new concepts to it. But this is just so important to your walk with God. Listen, if you are not spending time daily in God's word and prayer, you got to start. You need to start. People that are online, you need to be in God's word and prayer every single day. It's vital to your walk with God. It's vital. Listen, I use that word on purpose, meaning without it. Listen, in your physical life, there are things that are vital and there are things that are not vital, okay? Cheesecake is delicious, but it ain't vital, okay? Water is vital. Air is vital. What are vital things to me? Let me maybe, maybe this isn't exactly what the word means, but this is what it means to me. Vital are things where if you don't have them, you die. 
Those are, at some point, you know, I know, oh, well, you know, you can go without food and water for this. I get it, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. So maybe we'll just use air if that, if that helps. Because I promise you this, as much as probably some of you can hold your breath for a long time, if I said, start holding it now, and when I'm done speaking, you can let it out, y'all be dead by the time I'm done. You know I'm long-winded, okay? That's vital. Prayer and God's word are vital to your spiritual life. You say, Aaron, I don't always know how to pray. Listen, I know. It's okay. How do I pray? You just talk. Just talk to God. Don't, don't buy into this nonsense that there's a right way or a wrong way. God just wants to hear your voice. God just loves it when you come to him. There's not have to be these these or thous or Greek special or Hebrew words. Just go to your dad and talk to him. You say, Aaron, I don't know how... To, to, to read my word. Listen, if you're not a part of our emails, get in our emails. I spend time every day writing things out for you that have a portion of scripture and some thoughts. If, if you got nothing else, start there. But listen, there's apps and there's ways to do that. If you don't know some of those things, let me know after service. I will, I will grab your phone. I will download them for you. Those are keys that you need in your life. And listen, I will say this about your life. I'll say it about this church. I'll say it about what God wants to do in this community and everything else. If we're not willing to use this key, God will not bring forth the greater things I believe he wants to do in you and through you. And that goes for me too. It's vitally important. Number two. Number two. Faithfulness is a small key that can open big doors. Look at Luke 16. Luke 16, 10 through 11, it says, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Faithfulness starts with sometimes the little things. Listen, if you can't be faithful with the small God is not going to give you, get, help you get something larger. God is not going to say, listen, if you can't, be, you can't be faithful with the small things, how is God going to say, I'll give you more? A lot of us pray, God, give me more. Give me more of this or more of that or more influence or more of this. Whatever it might be. And God's going, listen, you haven't been trustworthy with what you got. And here's what's great. All of us have something. Before, listen, before we ask God for more, maybe the question or the prayer should be, God, are we being faithful with what you have given us? Are we being faithful there? Because I'll just speak again about my life. I, I've done that where it's like, God, give me this or give me that or bring more. And it sounds so good and sounds so spiritual. And sounds like, well, yes, of course God would want to do that. And then I take a step back and I go, wait, I'm not being faithful with what I have. I need to be faithful with that first. Jesus says, listen, if you're faithful in the small, you'll be faithful in the large. But the opposite of that is this. If you're not faithful with the small, there's no way you're going to be faithful with the large. It's a small key that opens bigger things in our lives. And so I want to challenge you. I want to ask you to look at your life and go, man, am I being faithful with the small things? Am I being faithful with the small things? 
Because if I want the larger things, the greater things that God has for us, then we need to be faithful about that. Number three, number three, joy is a small key that can open big doors. I don't know if you've been to my house. I know some of you have. I know some of you have during Christmas time, and so it's not up during Christmas time, okay? Uh, it, it, it goes away during Christmas time because we have uh, Christmassy items that go up instead. But we have a, a sign in my house that every time I go up and down my stairs, or maybe not down, up my stairs, I see, and it's a reminder to me because I am so horrible at it. You know what it says? Choose joy. That's what it says. Choose joy. Isn't that interesting? Choose joy. Here's what it says in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. Some of you have heard this before. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Psalm 1611. I love this verse because it's so challenging for me and it's so important. Psalms 1611. Is that there? There it is. Awesome. Thank you. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love this verse. This is such a challenging verse for me for a lot of reasons. Let me kind of give you some, some, some deeper understanding to Aaron's heart, his life, his mind, and, and the weirdness that resides all in there. We have just finished my favorite time of year. Love Christmas. You know this. You, you, people online, you know this. You have heard this many times before. And here's what typically, unfortunately, happens to me in January and February. I'll just be honest. I get depressed. I get upset. I get discouraged. You know why I've found that happens? Because I am so hyped up for Christmas and the joy and the excitement that comes. It's like, man, listen, I don't know if you know this. My birthday is July 4th. My life is set up in six-month increments, okay? I got Christmas, and about six months later, I got my birthday. That's how this works, okay? I say it every year. You laugh, and you think I'm silly. I'm serious. After my birthday, January, July 5th, I say, all right, it's Christmas time. We're focused on Christmas now. I get excited at that time. It's like, okay, we're, it's, we're halfway there, and we get excited. But then after Christmas goes... I get upset and I get depressed and it's not easy. My wife throws things at me. It's not fun to get me to kind of snap out of it. And I remember several years ago, I was in Albuquerque when I was working as a youth pastor and there was a group that put out a song and it was on their Christmas album. And so it was after Christmas and I was still kind of depressed. And, oh, this is bad, you know, Christmas is done. Christmas is not 360 some days away or all this sort. And the song says in its lyrics... It says, to, it's speaking of Jesus, it says, you are my joy. He says, you are my joy. I actually used it and spoke on it when I, was, when I was in Albuquerque. You are my joy. You see, I had it all mixed up. You see, Christmas was my joy. Getting together with family and the music and the lights, that was my joy, and I was missing it. Listen, your joy, my joy, is not wrapped up in a season or a holiday or a vacation or a circumstance. Those things are what's called happiness. We derive happiness from those things, but it's not joy. Joy is not found in something. It's found in some 
one. And if you try to find joy in anything but Jesus, you will be left lacking. We have to choose joy. We have to decide, I am going to allow that to happen. Now, Aaron, how do you do that? How do you choose joy? Psalm 16 tells us, where is their fullness of joy? In God's presence. If you want to experience the fullness of joy, if you want to rejoice, again I say rejoice, you get into God's presence because He is your joy. He is your joy. And when we can understand that, that is a small key that will open massive doors in your life. Because here's what happens, unfortunately. Life sometimes is hard. Life sometimes doesn't go the way we want to. Sometimes circumstances and situations can basically come and rob us of things. But if we have Jesus who will never leave us and never forsake us, if he is our joy, then we can say, I will rejoice in all things. Again, I say rejoice. Written by a man who was beaten and imprisoned for his faith. And yet he can say, Always rejoice. Why? Because Paul understood where his joy came from. And it's a small key that opens a big door. Last one, number four. And listen, there's, there's more than these. There's much more than four. But I just felt like these were four that God laid on my heart. Number four, obedience is a small key that can open big doors. Here's what I have found. This is why I kind of left it at, at the last. I have seen over my life and in the lives of others where they have literally gone, God, I, I need a door. I need you to open a door. I need the key to the door. All these things. And, 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 and God does it. And it's awesome. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. And guess what they do? They sit there. They may even put the key in the doorknob. They turn the key. They push the door aside. They are standing there with their open door. God says, go through the door to the greater things. And they say, there's the door. You know what obedience is? In a lot of ways, obedience is saying, I'm going to step through that door. I am going to listen to what God is asking me to do and walk through it. Look at James 1.22. We know this verse. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Listen, I want God to open doors for you and for me. I believe that God will do that. I believe there are greater things behind the door. But listen, there has to be this thing that says, you know what? Not only do I want the key, not only do I believe that there's something great behind the door, but I'm going to walk into what God has called me to do. How many stories do we have in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that would really be really bummer stories if people weren't willing to walk through the door? Peter on the boat calls out to Jesus who's walking on the water. Hey, Jesus, it's you. Tell me to come and I'll walk out there with you. Jesus says, come ahead. Peter says, <laughs> okay. This story's not nearly as good, even though you know, there's some sinking involved. You know, that story's not nearly as good if Peter says, you know, I'm cool, I'm good, this boat's nice and comfortable. The amazing thing is Peter was willing to step out of the boat. 
Joshua and the children of Israel march around the city of Jericho seven times. You know what? That story is not nearly as exciting if they stay, if they stay in camp. Sometimes we have to be willing. We pray for the doors. We pray for the keys to open the doors. And then, listen, sometimes we need to also pray that God will give us the boldness, the strength, and the ability to obey what he's asking us to do and walk through them. Because sometimes those doors can seem a little scary. They can seem a little much. But God wants to help us do that. Look at Revelations 3.8. This is what he says, I know all the things you do. And listen to what he says to you and to me. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Isn't that awesome? Listen to, the, listen to what Jesus has just communicated to you and to me. Jesus has says, listen, there are doors that I'm going to open for you. And nobody can close them. No one can close those doors. But yet, listen to what Jesus says. He continues on. He says, you have little strength. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there are doors that are open and nobody can close them, but you have little strength. Yet, you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. What is Jesus communicating in this short little verse to us? We can break it down real simply. There are open doors that Jesus has that no one will close. And listen, it doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how perfect you are. It doesn't matter how great you are. If you will just obey him, those doors will be open and you can walk through into greater things. But listen, obedience is a small key that you need to open that big door. Without it, you will find yourself kind of, you know, there may be many, many doors but none that you actually walk in through to experience the great new things that God wants you to experience. I don't know about you, but in my life, I know that there have been times where it's like you'll pray, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this, and then God begins to do it, and then you go, oh, wait, God, no, 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 wait a minute, (laughs) because it, it seems so scary. It seems like I don't have the strength to do it. But here's the thing, if God has opened a door for you, for you to walk through, no matter if you're strong or weak, God will help you to accomplish the greater things that he's called you to do. Remember, Jesus promised that we're going to do greater things. Why? Because he's up in heaven praying for us. We have an advocate to help us accomplish those greater things. But listen, some of us just need to be obedient and walk through the door. Some of us have sat there at a door frame for a really long time. And we haven't walked through the doors that God has for us yet. But listen, today's a new day. You have the keys. You have that ability because God is with you. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But before we do, or as we do, I just want to ask a quick question. You know, we talked about keys, we talked about doors, we talked about opening those doors and things like that, and the keys that you already have, the keys that God wants you to use, the the small keys that can open up bigger, greater things in your life. But but I I want to start by, by 
maybe, maybe you've heard this message, maybe you're here, maybe you're online, and you say, you know, um, those three keys that you started off with, that, 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 that faith key and relationship key and power and authority key, I, I don't believe I have those keys. And, and here's the thing. Jesus, when he's talking about these things, the context is he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his followers. So, so here's the thing. If, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, if you're not following him, you don't really probably have those keys. You need those keys. Those keys, through Jesus, open the door to eternal life. In John and in other portions of Scripture, we, we literally see Jesus. Jesus calls himself the gate, or other translations say the door. Jesus literally calls himself. He says, I am the door. And if you will walk through me, you will walk out to, to everlasting life, to, to pastures. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, when God was freeing his people, he brought plagues against Egypt. And in the last plague, he said, listen, he said, I'm going to send a, an angel of death through the land. And he says, all the firstborn of people and cattle, they're all going to die. But he says to his people, there's, there's a way that you can be saved. And he says, listen, if you will take a spotless lamb and you'll sacrifice that lamb, he said, you take that blood and it's interesting. God tells his people to put it on their door frames, their doors. And he says, anyone inside that house that, that has gone through the door is saved. It doesn't say perfect people that walk through. It doesn't say great. It doesn't say this. Or it just simply says anyone that walks through the door will be saved. And then later, Jesus calls himself the door. He says, if anyone will come to me, I'll give them eternal life. But listen, here's what you need to understand. Jesus also says there's only one door. A lot of people want to believe there's lots of doors. Jesus said there's one and it's him. So you want those keys, they're available to you. But you got to walk through the door. That door is Jesus. And so if you want those keys, here's what you need to do. You need to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. When you do that, you go through that door that Jesus made a way for you and for me because he loved us so much that he died for you and me. And you can experience the freedom and the relationship and the faith and the power and authority and all these things. Listen, this, this is where it starts. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe this is the ultimate key to everything that God wants you to have. But listen, you will have a really hard time with all this other stuff if you don't first get that key.
So if that's you, whether you're here or online, will you just pray with me? For those Christians that are online and here, will you just, just begin to pray, please, that God would just speak to those individuals right now. Come on. I need you to pray, folks. we got eternity in the balance right now. That God, you would just begin to speak to those individuals. I don't care if it's this day or 10 years from now. That God, right now, you would just begin to say, listen, I'm the door. Just come through me. And if that's you, again, whether you're online or here, will you just pray a prayer with me like this? Will you just say, Father, I know that you love me. I know that you have made a way for me. I know that you are the door. There are no other doors but you. And so right now, I believe that Jesus, you're God's son. I believe that you came and you died for me. I believe that you took away my sin in that moment. And I believe that I can have forgiveness because of what you have done. So Jesus, I ask for forgiveness right now. And I believe that you are God's son. And I believe that I can be saved because of what you have done for me. So Jesus, I believe in my heart. And through this prayer, I've confessed with my mouth that you are my savior and my Lord. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you spoke that prayer, you've gotten the best key you'll ever have. A key that will open up your life to fullness and joy and mercy and grace and love. But here's the thing, like all of us, you need to use your keys. You need to grow in your faith. You need to spend time in God's word. You need to allow time in prayer to be important. You need to be obedient. You need to let, you need to choose joy. We all need to do this better. We need to use our keys because I believe when we use our keys, God will open some great doors to some great things. So not only for those that just have gotten their first key, but for those that maybe have had their keys for a long time, let's pray together. God, we come to you right now. And God, we pray that God, that you would help us to use these keys that you've given us, these keys of the kingdom that are going to open up doors in our lives and in our families and in our workplaces and in our churches, in our communities, that Father, we would stop walking around just with keys jingling on our keychain, that instead, God, we would begin to take them out. We begin to put them into doors that you've called us to open. And through those things, we would walk into the greater things that you have for us. Father, we all need to do this. We can all do this better because I believe none of us have opened all the doors that you have for us to walk through. So Jesus, will you help us? Will you, I, we know you're helping us in prayer, 
But God, give us that boldness, that strength, that ability to say, you know what? I am going to spend time in God's Word. I am going to pray. I am going to be obedient. I am going to choose joy no matter what my circumstances are. I will be faithful in these small things because I know God has bigger things for me. God has greater things for us. And we want to be a part of them. So God, help us. We love you. You're so good. We thank you. Let's all stand. John's going to come lead us, and the worship team will lead us in a quick closing chorus. Come and consume me. My heart is ready. God, if I burn, I burn for you. Without hesitation. No reservation, God, if I burn, I burn for you. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Give me a fresh, fresh fire. Before we um, close and and stuff, I just feel like I feel like the Lord is just speaking to me about somebody. And again, I don't know if they're here or they're online. I don't know if it's today or two weeks from now. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that I believe God's speaking. And there's somebody that has has believed the lie that has basically communicated that there are no doors for you. That you have believed a lie from the enemy and you feel trapped. You feel alone because you feel like you, you kind of walk into this area and, and, and there's, it's a bit of dead end and there's absolutely no doors for you. And I just feel like God's spirit is just wanting to communicate to you, listen, there are doors all around you. I would not allow you to enter into a room or an area of your life without there being doors. And so what you need to understand is right now that God has placed in your hands the keys to your doors. And you need to begin to move in the areas that I've shared because I believe that God in those moments and in those times, you're going to begin to see those doors materialize in front of your very eyes. And you're going to sit there and you're going to go, I had no idea there were so many doors. So I want to speak to you specifically. Do not believe the lies of the enemy. You do need to begin to move in the direction that God is calling you to. Don't just sit on the floor and do nothing. 
You need to do your part, but there are doors that are all around you. It's like God is sharing when, when Elijah came out and his servant, and they were surrounded. And remember, Elijah said, there's more with us than with them. And he said, open the servant's eyes so that he could see. It's what God, I believe, is saying is if you will begin to use these small keys, that God is going to open your door eyes to doors that you never knew existed around you. And that you're going to enter into those doors and begin to move in your calling and in your destiny like you never dreamed possible. But listen, the choice is yours. You can sit there on the floor or you can get up and begin to use the keys that are already on your key ring to open some doors that are going to blow your brains out. It's going to be absolutely amazing what God's going to do in you and through you. So stop believing the lie and start believing that there are doors that you are going to walk through to greater things. So Father, we thank you for speaking so clearly. Maybe it's not just for one. Maybe it's for multiple individuals. It doesn't matter. God, one is enough. But God, more than likely, it's for more than one. And so God, I pray that we would we would begin to move in that direction. We would begin to look in those ways that we would stop living in the fear that we're trapped, that there are no doors and begin to instead walk through the doors using the keys that you've already placed in our hands. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. And we know there are greater things behind the doors and that you as we knock and seek and use the keys that you place in our hands, that you will open those doors to greater things. We love you. We thank you. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Remember, prayer on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Be here. I hope that your fasting is going well. If you need anything, please let me know. Also, if you have any questions about next week, come talk to me. Have a great week. I love you. Oh, yeah, sorry. Pretty important thing about here. Sorry. We're going to sing Happy Birthday to Hazel. She's 101 today. Whoa! And so we're going to sing Happy Birthday. I just got to remember how to play it. So if it goes bad, I'm sorry. I'm uh, going to try my best in the key of G, so I need all your singing voices to come out um, and help me do this. <clears throat> let, me, let me get it out here. Happy birthday. See, this is, we've got to figure this out here. We might have to do it off the pill. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. I'll work on playing it better next time. For, for 102. Yes, for 102. <laughs> Have a great week.